0: luxury quality within reach go to quince.com style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order quince.com style
1: today is a special bonus episode dj nicholson and i talk about ai to support learners with disabilities in the classroom Hey everyone, Tim here. It's bonus episode time, and we have DJ Nicholson from Inclusivology with us today to talk about the article we co-wrote. It's up on thinkinclusive.us right now. So without further ado, here is my chat with DJ. And after we wrap up, make sure to check the article out. It's called, When Does AI Belong in an IEP? DJ Nicholson, how's it going?
2: Uh, Awesome, awesome. Yep, just um, coming off of a lovely long holiday weekend, and I'm really excited to talk about AI.
1: Well, let's get into our conversation today. Um, A few months ago, we co-authored an article, um, and it is called, I'm going to have to pull it up now, sorry. I would have to. Uh, uh, (laughs) When does AI belong in an IEP? And we referenced it in the article. Uh, We had a discussion in February um, about why teachers leave the classroom and in that conversation it sparked some discussion around AI Uh, it seems like AI is like everywhere in the news it constantly is being cited in news articles, and I feel like there's a new AI tool like every minute of the day, it feels like. So we decided to write this article, and we wanted to know what teachers were doing and what potentially teachers could uh, do using AI as a tool in the classroom. So to get us started, uh, DJ, why was AI, especially for supporting learners with disabilities, like why is that important or why was that interesting to you?
2: Well, I was thinking of AI for kids with um, learning differences and IEPs as a like an opportunity to have teachers use that. As a way to level text, make reading more accessible, using it as kind of a, like a summarizing feature to make more complex text accessible for everyone regarding of their, regardless of their reading difference or ability. Um, and it's just so much using AI is so much easier than actually going through the task of leveling text or looking around and trying to find a lower level text that would match the gray level text.
1: Yeah, I, and the is there do you know is there like a formal process for leveling text uh, because I mean when I was a teacher, uh, there are very few tools. I, I think we talked about this before. Uh, we had something called Snap and Read, which is one of like uh one of our assistive tech um, you know consultants showed that to us. Um, but that was like you know this free version. It didn't always work, and it was kind of buggy. So did, like, how would normally a teacher level text?
2: It would be very very time consuming and and very manual. They would they would take a text. From what I've seen teachers do is they would take a text, they would read through the text, they would create a summary that was accessible for someone with a lower level reading ability, and they would go into, you know some kind of um, like visual support program, and they would create the visuals to go along with it. So it was very, very, very time consuming. And so one of the conversations that I used to have with teachers when they would sit in IEP meetings is the difference between leveling text, and like guided reading type programs where there were text levels that were done at children's reading level. And so there was a lot of misinformation about the difference between a text level and actually leveling text as a a task that you would have to do in order to pair a lower level text for a student to read. And so I was always saying to teachers, you know, are you gonna take the time to level text? And they would say, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, because what you're seeing and saying in this IEP meeting is that you are willing to take this higher level text and you're going to basically condense it down to make it more accessible for a student with a lower reading level. Are you gonna do that? And they would say, oh my gosh, I'm not gonna do that. I don't know how to do that. They don't have time to do that. And so it became something that I saw teachers take off a list of accommodations. It might mm-hmm. be an accommodation that was needed, but they're just simply, you know, I hate to say it, but there just simply is not enough time in the day to, you know, sit down and, and, um, and level text. So I think one of the things that you and I were talking about is if teachers could use AI to level text, you know, and we we both tried it. It's infinitely easier.
1: And, and so uh, one of the first things that I tried when I was playing around with ChatGPT is I don't remember what uh, got me down this road, but I I think I was thinking, well, I've heard chat GPT can generate, um, you know, text on any topic. So let's just say like, okay, write 400 word essay on the causes of the civil war. And it it generated a, an, an, you know, a nicely formed essay. Um, and I was like, okay, this is fine. But then I was thinking about a, a previous student of mine and uh, in one of my classes and he loved wrestling. Like he was, uh, you know, he would watch like WWE or I'm not sure if I'm getting those acronyms correctly. Uh, he would watch like the SmackDown ones and he would always come in and, you know, mimic these wrestlers, how they t- Talked and you know, um, you know their names and and like their attitude. And so I was like, well, the only wrestler I know is The Rock. Like on top of mine. Like, what if I ask ChatGPT to rewrite this essay uh, in the voice and style of The Rock? And so uh, it just took. I just put in the prompt, and a few seconds later, it it completely rewrote the essay in in the voice of a wrestler. And I'm like, oh my my gosh and I think I I even uh, sent it to you is what I did I yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was right after our conversation that's what it was and I was like DJ look at this this is absolutely phenomenal
2: <laughs> well and and I think you know that just spurred my own creativity and thinking about okay well if it's gonna do it in the voice of the rock who uh, what other voice could could we use and I think we even tried you know like SpongeBob Squarepants or what of you know one of his friends but I think you know when whether. Whether it's a wrestler or a cartoon character, that's a fantastic way to get kids engaged.
1: Right, right. So um, that was one of the things when I was a a classroom teacher that I struggled with because a lot of times, you know, especially for students who have very uh, specific, you know, interests, it was hard to find content that was related to their interests that was also aligned either to you know grade level standards or grade level content. So this seemed like a great opportunity for an educator to be like okay we're going to talk about the solar system but i'm going to create the content or modify the content so that it's engaging for a particular student you know and you know we like whether it's the the it's written in or um uh, you know bringing in references that the that the student would find interesting so then our conversation went to well I wonder who is already doing this right now, because uh, all we're hearing is the negative and the the cons of using AI. I wonder if there's anybody out there that have has achieved any sort of success using AI in the classroom. So I was not able to find any of my, you know, educator friends uh, to be able to talk to. But I did talk uh, with uh, Dr. Greg Vandenheim. Am I saying that right? Vanderheiden. OK, I'm going to say that again. I did. I did have a chance to talk with um, Greg Vanderheiden of the University of Maryland um, at the Trace Center, and he shared with me, you know, he's been doing, he's been working in assistive technology for many, many, many years. And we had a conversation about AI and he was so excited to talk to me because he really sees a lot of parallels between the AI tools that are available now and in some of the early technology that made, you know, people's lives easier, like calculators. Um, And so we had a conversation and basic, his basic message behind uh, why educators should, Take a chance on AI is because you know back when um, tools like the calculator first came out, it was like, well, no, you you can't have people use calculators because then they they won't actually do math, they won't learn math. But as you can see, here we are, you know, decades later, people still learn math and it's still valuable. It's just we get we get to the place where we want to go a lot easier um, and a lot faster. Um, so, well, what are some other um things i don't know if you had a chance to um uh reflect on what dr van van der heiden said Uh, is there anything that you know comes to mind uh, from that conversation
2: absolutely yeah i think you know we live in an age where you know technology is vast and expansive and we even as you know typically functioning adults, we use technology all the time. And we use technology to make our lives easier to support what we're doing and to make things accessible. So even, you know, iPhones, Apple, it came out with an entirely new accessibility line. Um, Google has just updated all of their accessibility tools. So to me, you know, in thinking about um, what he said, you know, it's a matter of it's we're, ju- we're just moving forward in this technological world. And so if we can use it as a support and not a hindrance, then I think, I mean, I, I think it's definitely worth a try. I think it's worth a try when it comes to supporting kids with differences.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you had a chance to talk with some educators who were um, trying AI out. Um, what, were, what, what were those conversations like?
2: So I initially reached out to see if any of my educator friends were using AI, um, like we had talked about, and they were not. So I actually was able to get two teachers um, to try it. Thank you and it was very interesting. Um, the, one of the teachers that I spoke with, she was all about it and she was a special education teacher, but the, her, her co-teacher in this inclusive setting um, was not receptive, um, really not receptive. And I, I don't know if that came from a, a place of, you know, I don't know anything about this, so I don't want to try it or that's not something that we do here or did it come from a place of, well, I have to make sure that you know I run it by my building principal, my administrator, whoever it is, and we have to have permission. Rather than looking at it as something that we just trial, that then maybe could be implemented in the IP. So she, um, that was not necessarily a successful situation because it caused a lot of friction between you know the two teachers, and then the administrator got involved, and so that kind of kind of fell apart <laughs> for lack of a better you know, word. To use, um, but then in the other situation, um, you know, it was it was nice to have some kind of collaboration and cooperative conversations between the special ed teacher and the gen ed teacher, and thinking that you know this this is something that could be really beneficial. So um, students in this situation were were pulled out. Um, for learning. And so the the special educator did use AI, she did level some text down, and she found it really helpful. And so, you know, when she brought it back to the gen ed teacher, it opened up conversation, not necessarily for use in the classroom yet but it I feel like it started a conversation about what can we use as supports for kids learning that we're not doing right now. And honestly that was a little bit of the other situation as well while that was a much more negative, you know, view of AI in general. It still sparked conversation of like in the first scenario. Like yeah, I think, you know, we we do need something. It might not be AI, but we need something. So that conversation was started there you know, on the IEP team. But in this, you know, the later situation where, you know, there was some success and the teacher was able to level down um, just those conversations to kind of move things forward to find supports for kids. Because, you know, ultimately what we want is we want we want kids to be reading independently. We don't want to have, you know, an adult hovering over their shoulder. We don't always want to have to like, you know, have that like not learned helplessness per se, but that enabling of like, you know, oh, I don't know how to read this. Can someone else read this for me? Or can someone support me in this? Because it builds, builds independence. So I think, you know, in, in both situations, um, there was some positive that came out of it. And the positive really was in both scenarios, um, is to have those conversations about whether it's, chat GPT, AI, or some other form of, you know, assistive or artificial intelligence, because we use it. We do. And I think, you know, in the educational space, we're just at the very beginning of having, having those conversations.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, I've been reflecting about how much I'm using AI now, like just in my own, in uh, my work. Right. You know, uh, as as a communications director, um, I have to come up with a lot of of uh, of copy. So text and, you know, I'm writing scripts and and, uh, there are so many more tools for me to use that I can, I can utilize that it help me be more efficient. And so um, I'm just thinking of like, if we think of it as uh, an efficiency issue and not like a, like that you're cheating, you know, because, right, <laughs> like, right. because that's the thing is um, I, I guess you could look at, you know, if, if I'm uh, hel- having AI or having an AI tool, help me brainstorm uh, subject line ideas, right. you know, for an email campaign or, uh, you know, Tyler ID. For an article or for a, a podcast episode, um, is that me cheating or is that me being efficient so that I don't have to e- e- expend so much brain power coming up with all that on my own? You know, <laughs> I guess you right. could look at it both ways, right? Right,
2: right. Well, and just another example of you know how how I use it as a time saver. You know, I was writing um, copy, you know, something a script to share with someone, and I realized I finished, you know, typing it all up all my own ideas and everything, and I realized, oh my gosh, I really want to this in first person. So I put it Mm. into chat GPT, and I asked it to just take this information and turn it into first person language. And you know, it's not the work was still mine.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. um,
2: You know, but with kids, though, you know, when we when we develop, you know, present levels and we have goals and all of that that supports the learning. To me, to use to use AI is just a natural step because it's something that's it's supportive, it's not replacing, it's not like you said, it's not cheating. Mm-hmm. But if we're helping, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, we want kids to access their learning and we want them to do it independently if they can. So it's, you know, like going back to what you said initially about, you know, that piece about the Civil War and, and Dwayne Johnson. If you can take, you know, like a say like a seventh grade level text about the civil war. And condense it down to, you know, a, a basic reading level and take out all the complex vocabulary, but hold on to, you know, the crux of the piece and make it accessible. So then that student can then be engaged in conversation and can 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 fully participate in, in what everyone is doing and feel confident about it. Rather than yeah. thing with a grade level text that is not accessible, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um I think that is probably one. of the things that i'm most excited about uh if if i were in uh if i were still in the classroom about how i could make things just um more interesting and more individualized you know take existing content that may be just really dry um, and then just rearrange that content so that it um, it matches the interest of a learner um, because that's a I mean that's a lot of what I think uh, teachers do anyways you know you have a textbook um, you know you you typically don't just read a textbook in front of a classroom to deliver content you have to you know uh, and digest the content figure out how to rearrange it and um, and and expose and uh, deliver the content in a way that is engaging. Like thinking about universal design for learning, you know, principles um, and how you are uh, the multiple means of of presentation, I hope I'm saying, or representation, maybe that, I think that's the right word. Um, You know, you use video, you use audio, you use text, you use hands-on experiences. Those are all things that um, that you can do, and AI can help you uh, brainstorm ideas on how to deliver the content. I mean, so I think there's a lot of a lot of room for where educators can take it.
2: Yeah, and I think I think there's implications for educators. And then there's, you know, the implications for students. I think those would look very different,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but I think, you know, from the IEP team perspective, if they can justify with, with data, with present levels of why this is something we should try, I think it's something that's worth trying. You know, I don't, I, I think people are, are a little taken aback by AI. It's overwhelming. It's and it's all over the media uh, mm-hmm. and it's, it's getting kind of a, a negative, there's a negative spin when it comes to education in terms of like, again, it goes back to the cheating. It's not always about cheating, but sometimes it is about being creative. And, you know, for teachers... Generating some ideas that maybe they hadn't thought about before, and then for kids, you know, is it the difference between them sitting in front of a text that is not accessible for them, that is boring and dry, versus like, oh my gosh, I'm going to read this funny thing that Dwayne Johnson wrote for me. Awesome, <laughs> I would love that. You know, right,
1: right. Um, well, another thing that I wanted to bring up to you, uh, especially for. If learners are using AI um, and something I think that Dr. Uh, vanderheiden said is that it's not a special accommodation if everyone uses it. So like, for instance, if you give an assignment, if a teacher uh, was giving an assignment um, and everyone had to use an AI tool to, you know, make a first draft of, you know, of response to something that they learned, um, then everyone gets Everyone gets the quote unquote advantage. And so it's not anything necessarily special, which I really, you know, appreciated because it, it kind of goes back to that, the idea of that calculator, you know, everyone gets that assistance and now depending on, you know, who you are as a learner, you can take it from that, you know, that real basic level. Now Everyone has a first draft and you can now, uh, you know, build on that.
2: Right, right. I love that idea. And I love, you know, just to live in a world where everyone has access to multiple tools and they can choose to use them or not.
1: Yeah. Uh, Any other things um, when you're looking into the future of of maybe what you'd like to see um, or maybe just dreaming a little bit of, of where we could be in the next five to 10 years?
2: I'm hoping that just in the world of, you know, accessibility that we're looking at, we're truly looking at individual needs of kids. And I know, you know, I talk a lot, you know, at workshops and conferences and with, you know, with teachers and parents that, you know, we're kind of, we still live in a world where we're directing most of the learning towards, you know, the 75% of kids that kind of fall inside the box. But that if we were, if we're truly looking at individual needs of every child, then we're going to start looking at how to make it accessible through, you know, and in order to do that, teachers have to have the training, there has to be the knowledge of all that is available. So whether it's AI in the form of chat GPT or other accessibility features that there's a, that there's a comfortable knowledge and that teachers, you know, have that proverbial toolbox to pull from that they can choose to use that, or kids can choose to use that or not in order to make learning authentic. Cause you know, I, 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 that's, that's, I, I pushed out a lot is that, that authentic learning piece. So it matters and it makes sense. And then they're able to kind of take what they learn and be able to generalize it because it means something
1: to them. right you know? yeah i love this i love what you you talk about uh you know having a choice you know, um, if certain tools are available to everyone, it, it doesn't mean everyone has to use it. It just means that everyone has the opportunity to use it. And so, um, what I what I've been kind of learning about universal design um, in, in, for for learning and uh, creating experiences for students is having these menus, uh, like a menu of options to be able to interact with content and interact with uh, with your and own your own learning this seems like a really great opportunity to as a, as a teacher to bring in some of these tools and allow the, the students to choose it for themselves, you know, and, um, and then I think that that goes to the spirit of where education is really going and it's learner centered. It's not, it's not teacher centered. It's not, you know, I have the knowledge and I am going to impart it on you.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> right,
2: right. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, the teacher in the role of a facilitator rather than the governor of the classroom, I, <laughs> I think that's just going to you know breed environments that are you know authentically centered for kids because at the end of the day, you know we want to know what kids know. we want to we want to know what kids know. and so if they need to look at and show what they know in a, in a bit of a different way, so be it.
1: great. that was great. all right. um so i'm is, is anything else you wanted to uh, to add before i um I tell everyone to to read the article?
2: No, no, I think we covered quite a lot.
1: Okay, good. Well, if you want to read the article that DJ and I co-authored, it's on ThinkInclusive.us and it's called, When Does AI Belong in an IEP? Um, Make sure to check it out and we'd love to know what you think. So, you know, drop us a line either at uh, ThinkInclusive.us or check out uh, Inclusiveology.com.
2: Inclusiveology.com.
1: All right, great. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, drop us a line and let us know. So thanks for listening, y'all.
2: All right. Thanks, everybody.
1: Oh hey, you're still here! Amazing, because just in case you can't get enough of Ti, let me give you a suggestion: go over to patreoncom podcast and become an activist and. Help support MCIE as we produce even more episodes for season 11 and beyond. We are also working on a narrative podcast called Inclusion Stories, and you can listen to the pilot episode of our new series right now when you join. Thanks for your support, and you'll find us in your feed real soon.